introduce the next speaker, who is Sheikh Mamdouh Mohammed from the American Open University in Washington, who is going to speak on the topic, The Divine Decree of Parents and Parenthood. So I'll just put you through now. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أحبتي في الله أحييكم بتحية الإسلام السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته The topic of today inshallah sounds very beautiful and sounds very easy however the content isn't that so Applying the implications of what you're going to hear is something easier said than done. In other words, there are lots of responsibilities from the side of the parents as well as the sides of the children. And uh, sometimes we are both. We are children and at the same time parents. So we still have our parents living so we share some responsibilities towards them as children, even if, they are, even if we are old. And at the same time, we are parents of young children. The topic, as you heard, is the divine decree of parenting and parenthood. And basically, it will touch on the decree from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it will touch on the issue of love and how we express love. We will touch on the issue of respect. We'll touch on the issue of kindness. We'll touch on the issue of obedience. Before I start, you don't see anything, by the way, do you? Only see me, right? I will start with a couple of stories. One of them, there's something common among them. One of them took place in Florida. And the other one took place in Philadelphia. So they have something in common, the F, letter F in the beginning. The story that took place in, uh, of course, there's something much deeper than the, the F at the beginning of every uh, state. However, there's something much, much, much deeper. The first story is a very short story. It tells us a story of a person who lived in the West, was Western originally, and he was away from his mother because his father divorced his mother long ago. His mother was living by herself in Florida, and he was away from her. He didn't visit her for two years, and she was on her deathbed. She called him three, four times, left messages for him. Finally, she got him on the phone. She told him, I'm going to die. Doctors say, I'm going to die within a week or so. I want to see you. After two years of not seeing him. And then he told her, Mom, I have a deadline. I have to finish a project that's very important. Oh, my son, I'm going to die. I want to see you before I die. He said that as soon as I finish my project, 
I will come and see you. The woman passed away. The son came after uh, three or four days of her death yes. to witness the funeral. Luckily, he witnessed the funeral, but after her death. This is one story. It ends at this moment. So the only wish of that woman was to see her disobedient son after a couple of years of not seeing him, and her only wish was to see him. The second story took place at Villanova in Philadelphia, where a woman took her son, who was approximately 11 years, 12 years old, and she met an imam uh, of an Islamic center there, and she told the imam that I want my son to embrace Islam, to be a Muslim. He asked her, why is that? She said, I don't want my son to be disobedient when he grows up. I want him to be like Muslim kids when they treat their parents in a very good manner, in a kind way. So I want my son to treat me and to respect me when he grows up because I see the environment around me and I see everybody here uh, when they grow, they treat their parents disrespectfully and without any kindness. So I want my son to be a Muslim, to treat me as the Muslim kids treat their parents. So the imam asked her, if this is the case, why don't you become a Muslim? So he would be a Muslim and you would be a Muslim. Anyway, the story ended up that the mother and the son became Muslims, alhamdulillah. Uh, there are two different stories, but one of them tells us that those people who are not Muslims really are very eager to see their kids dealing with them in an Islamic way. They don't want to die and their kids are away from them. They don't want to die and to see their disobedient kids. But the question is, do Muslim kids in the West treat their parents kindly or Islamically? Or this was just a dream? Or this was just something happening in the past? Or was it just something that happens in some places and not in other places? Because I was asked to make the lecture interactive, I would ask you to answer this question. Do our kids who were raised up here in the West in general are really kind to their parents? If you feel that, I know it's a tough question, especially if you have your kids here, I would like some hands to be raised if you feel that your kid, don't talk to me about your kid who is five years or newly born baby. These are not the ones that I'm asking about. I'm talking about the teenagers and, yes, the ones who are close to them. If you feel that your kids are obedient to you, are well behaved or Islamically behaving, please raise your hand. Raise it high so I can see how many hands. On the left, I see five, six hands. On the right, I see three, four hands. Okay. 
Uh, this is the situation that we are in. This is the situation we are in. And I don't know what are we waiting for. Uh, there is a problem. Big, big problem. I wish that the kids would come here to see their parents not raising their hands about them. And now, let me turn the question to the kids. If you feel that your parents are good, raise your hand. Put them down. It turned out to be that the, the kids are more, are more grateful to their parents because they see the goodness in their parents more than the parents see the goodness in their kids. If your answer was true, and to a great extent I think it's, it was not, if the answer was true, we can analyze it in different ways. One way of analyzing it is to really see the impact of Islam on the parents. I would assume that most of the parents whom the kids were talking about were raised in a better Islamic environment. Whereas I would see vice versa, that the kids that were brought up here are not brought up in an Islamic environment. Do you agree with me to this analysis? Should I say it again? I would say from the number of the hands that said that our parents are good parents, I see lots of people, old people who raised their hands, alhamdulillah. And this tells us that their parents had been brought up Islamically in a better way that those young ones have been brought up in. Do you agree to this? It's very, very weak, yes. Do you agree to this? Yes. Alhamdulillah, we came to one agreement. So here's, here's the issue. That those kids are brought up in an environment that it's not as Islamic environment as other environments or as the environment that their parents were raised in. And this tells us something important. How many of you have their kids at Islamic schools? Raise your hand. Raise your hand high. One, two, three, four, five on the left, three on the right. I think the answer is clear, isn't it? Is the answer clear or not? Yes. yes. So what do you think? How do we solve this issue? Thank you. 
Zakallah. I hope nobody interrupts. I will give you plenty of time to to complain, inshallah. But before you complain, I would show my complaints against you. So please don't interrupt me. Jazakumullah khaira. Uh, so now we are talking a very important fact that all of us witness. The, the, the lack of Islamic schools, this is one element. The other element is the lack of raising the Islamic, our kids the Islamic way at our homes. This is again a responsibility. You would find lots of fathers or lots of mothers are focusing on lots of issues that are not as prior or as important as others. This is something that we can do. How many of us would prefer that their kids would understand the Qur'an before they read the Qur'an? If you think that understanding, or if you're doing at home that you are careful about the understanding of what's in the Qur'an, uh, more important than in many cultures, you will find the Muslims are, are paying a lot of care for reading the Qur'an rather than understanding the Qur'an. In many cultures, we know, and I'm talking now about Islamic cultures, pure Islamic cultures. When they teach their kids, they teach their kids how to read the Qur'an first. And it turns out that their kids would be able to read the Qur'an probably until they die, but they don't understand anything of the Qur'an. Did you know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala condemned some nations because they were given their book? It talks about the people who were given the Torah to carry it, but they didn't really benefit from it. They are like donkeys who do not benefit from what they carry. Because animals, when they carry things, of course they do not benefit from it. So if we're just carrying books, and we are not doing what we are commanded to do, this is part of the issue. There's a lot of responsibilities are laid on the burden of the parents as early as possible. I don't know where to start this or to define this early. Would it start at the time of the marriage, when they married their spouses before they get their children? The selection issue, and this is very important where I am going to focus uh, on it and the other lectures when I talk about marriage. Does it start from there? The choice was not based on Islamic options. The choice was based on traditions or something else, a relationship between the big family or extended family. Was she or was he the right choice from the Islamic perspective? Did we start preparing our kids as early as possible to raise them in an Islamic environment so when they grow up, they would show us this kindness that we didn't see from you when you raised your hand? These are questions that I am going to try to address some of them, inshallah, in this lecture, and I hope you bear up with me. Before that, I would like to... I don't know what happened to my computer. I'd like to people, uh, young men, do you think that yourself are young? I need another young person from the left side. 
No one? No one of you? Another young one? Everybody is telling the other. Yes, good. Zakallah khair, yeah. Yes. I like any two bags that if you carry two bags. Do you have any two bags? Oh, this is a small bag. It is, it's a tiny baby. Yes, this, this is an empty one. Yeah. Yes, let, let me take this. Zakallah khair. And you take this. Let's hear it. I want you to stand here. Zakallah khair. Yes. You will stand all the lecture. You said that you are young. I want you to carry this on your, yeah, like that, all the lectures, right? And I want this brother to monitor him, right, if he takes it away from. So don't look at me, look at them. You will be in trouble. Where's the other person here? Yes. Who's going to monitor him? Where is your friend? issue. Yes. Don't look at me. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to hurt any of you. Believe me. Yeah. We are trying to, to, to see how successful can you be if you are women and pregnant women. This is what we are doing. <laughs> this is what we are doing. So I'm not going to hurt anyone of you. Uh, this is one way of, of starting this topic. We will start at this point where we want to teach all of us, of course, parents before kids, because we are talking to adults. Islam is, first of all, should be taken and perceived as one package. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu udkhulu fi silmi kaafa wa la tattabi'u khutwaat shaytaan. Oh you, those who believe, accept Islam as a whole. Not as something fragmented. Not as something that you accept some fiqh issues and you leave aqeedah issues. You accept aqeedah issues and you leave parenthood or obeying your parents. You accept this issue and you leave others. When you, the moment that you declare that you are a Muslim, the moment you signed a contract with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by bearing witness every day that you are a Muslim, you should be fulfilling this promise. You are taking Islam as a whole. Because if we take some and leave some, the problems come from these things that we left. So this is one of the first priorities that we should pay attention to. Taking Islam as a whole. And don't take it in a fragmented way. If you do this, if you take part and you leave other parts, you don't take it as a whole from the Prophet ﷺ, you are following the footsteps of the shaitan. It means if we don't take Islam as a whole, we are following the footsteps of the shaitan. So this is one issue that we need to consider in the beginning. All these issues will gather together, inshallah, at the end, inshallah, to help understand and apply this in our life. The second parameter, or the second important issue that we need to understand and fulfill in our life, there is a golden rule that is called لا طاعة لمخلوق there is no obedience for any creature, whoever he is or she is. As long as this obedience to this 
creature is or carries or conveys disobedience to Almighty Allah. Just three days before I came to the lecture here, I was invited by one of my students who lives in Florida, but he came to Virginia to visit us and invited me to come to an issue here in his family, extended family. His uh, father-in-law does something in the house that they think that it's, it's very bad, so they wanted me to solve this issue. What was the issue when I came uh, to the table and we got dinner? And then after that, the mother started after the food. She started telling me that I have some complaints. What is these complaints? She said that the father does things that we think that it's a kind of shirk. What is it? Uh, he has a stick. He got it from one of his shiuch. He inherited uh, a long stick. Don't mix it with the stick of Musa salam. Okay, I hope you don't. Even, even if it is the, the stick of Musa, right? But they believe that he respects this, at least respects this stick in a way that he, he worships it. He doesn't want anybody to touch it. He doesn't want anybody to come close to it, even to move it. And he stays some minutes in, in front of it, and it was quite obvious that he is paying, yes, respect. Apparently, we are not going to talk about whether he was worshipping the stick or not, because he intended to keep this in his mind, in his heart. But his son says that I'm going to do whatever my parent loves me to do, and here was the problem. He thinks that obeying the parents blindly is something that's loved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is not because simply the rule of la ta'ata li makhluqin fi ma'asiyat al-khaliq is absent from his mind. Even if this person, as we said, that if his apparent was the closest to you, still you cannot obey them when you see what they ask you to do is disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the importance of the issue of teaching the issues of tawheed to our kids as early as possible because this will help them later on not to deviate. Nobody can deviate them when they grow up. So this is very important. They would never be able to be, they will not be affected by other factors that would affect them when they grow up because they learn it, they will never obey anyone, whoever he or she or whatever organization, whatever name, whatever his parents or relatives or his teachers or his peer groups, because he learned from the beginning as early as possible that the ultimate obedience is to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whatever contradicts with this, there is no obedience in this issue. This is one other factor that we need to think of. Now, the issue that we need to consider who is your guide in this life? Who is our guide in this life? Is it the constitution of an ex-country? Or is it the parliament decisions? Or is it what we are taught at public school? Or is it my family? Or is it Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? From as early as possible, if we know who is our guide,
and what is our frame of reference from the beginning so we'll be able from time to time to consult what should we consult what should we take where should we take it from and then it goes on like that so now if the our reference as Muslim as we know that is the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet and here is the Sunnah is a manifestation and explanation of what is in the Quran in other words when we are obeying and taking from the Sunnah we are taking from uh, the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clarified this matter in many verses and one of them is وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَى إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُوحَى Are you still monitoring your friend? Good. Are you still monitoring him? So I will ask you very tough questions. You, not them. Uh, so, now, if you know this golden rule that I mentioned now, also it would help you because whatever the Prophet ﷺ does and makes and decides and says and approves in this religion, is wahi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would never let the messenger of Allah do something in this religion that it is not an inspiration from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Today in the morning, Dr. Jaffa Sheikh Idris, a person here asked me a question, fiqh question, so I referred him to Dr. Jaffa to answer this question. And Dr. Jaffa answered the question, but the issue here is, the issue of ittiba' following and not inventing, is a very important issue because lots of us are affected by the environment as I'm going to give you some examples to the degree that one of the concepts that we have that all of us we think that we are better educated than our parents or we are more knowledgeable than our parents this is one of the misconceptions that we have look at the, uh, the Prophet ﷺ in one of his salats while he started his salat Jibril came and informed him that there's some dirt on his shoes. So he took off his shoes. And immediately the companions took off their shoes while they were behind the Prophet ﷺ. I want you just to contemplate in this. Just they took the Prophet ﷺ, doing this they didn't ask, of course the Prophet ﷺ, a wahi came to him, and we are quite sure that the wahi didn't come to the companions, it only came to the Prophet ﷺ, but they didn't ask, they blindly followed the Prophet ﷺ, because it's a matter of religion. So this is where we need to be smart enough to know how to use our minds, our education, in the correct way which is whenever we use it in the way that the Prophet ﷺ did command us to do. So the Prophet ﷺ didn't command them. He was in the prayer, he did this, he removed his shoes, and they immediately did like he did. Didn't say that there's something specific to the Prophet ﷺ. They were, uh, they were asked to do exactly as the Prophet ﷺ doing. So they did that. This was a habit and a tradition of the companions, so they did that. Now, why this topic is important? <clears throat> it's important because of many elements. First, we live in a society. Now we're talking about the society, but it's, it's increasing more and more. I hope we don't reach a level that we say that we are living in a world that, yes, is a materialistic world. We still, inshallah, find some places that are not materialistic. But the globalization, I think, is going to make the whole world Allahu uh, Alam is one village 
and where you find this materialistic spirit affecting everybody. So this is something important. The materialistic life, the nature of materialistic life, it affects us. So it takes us from the spiritual life or from the religious life. And whenever I mean spiritual life here, I use it in the terms of spiritual life or the religious life of, of the Prophet ﷺ. I don't use it as uh, other people might use it in different senses. So uh, you have to uh, warn, to guard yourself against this. I need some help in this computer while I'm, because it, it keeps flipping. Because This is one thing. The second is, we have to agree, and I think nobody denies this, that the smallest unit in, or the smallest functional unit in any society is what? Is the individual or is the family? We need to agree amongst What is the smallest functional, Islamically functional unit, the smallest unit in an Islamic society? Is it the individual or the family? I hear weak voices. Family or individual? Family. family. That's good. And family consists of at least two parts, a man and a woman, and they have children and the extended family goes much, much more than this. So if we want to keep this Islamic meaning, that means we have, the more we come close to the family, the more we will achieve a good uh, Islamic society, whether it's a small society or a big society. But we have to answer this because one trend among the new generation is, why should we marry? Again, this is the effect of other cultures on our kids. Another element here, the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we take Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a reference, as our main reference, as our main guide, so we have no other option. There is no other choice for a believer, male believer or a she-male believer, that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees something, or when his prophet decrees something, there is no choice for us. If we prove that we are believers, if we witness that we are believers, so we have no choice. The choice is obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is decreeing to us. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Wa qada rabbuka alla ta'budu illa iyyahu wa bilwalidayni ihsana. Imma yablughanna indaka al-kibra ahaduhuma aw kilahuma fala taqul lahuma uffin وَلَا تَنْهَرْهُمَا وَقُلْ لَهُمَا قَوْلًا كَرِيمًا His way of translating this verse وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّا Allah decreed upon you that you worship no one except Allah subhanahu So this is the most important fundamental issue in our belief. It's the issue of belief. It's the issue of aqeed. And some people say that probably those who come to similar conferences, they would say that why is the issue of aqidah so important like that? Because the whole religion is an issue of aqidah. Because this whole universe is created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we should all the time attribute things to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now we are taking commands from Allah. وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّا So the first command here is to worship no one else except Allah. Of course, the implication is not to associate anyone else with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because and when you associate someone else with Allah, you are worshipping Allah and you are worshipping this one. So 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is the area of divinity where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want to see anyone else in this area of divinity. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here is the first thing. Then immediately after this section of this ayah, وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّهِ The secondly is followed by وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا Treating your parents kindly. As you notice that this came immediately after the mention of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And this in itself tells you how important this issue is. Kids who are brought up to reason. Are you monitoring him? I started leaning his back. It's okay. You can lean your back. But we, we, we just want him to describe you after that. Yeah. You can lean your back. You can sit down if you want. Yeah. I'm serious. If you want to sit down, sit down. If you feel tired, you can. That he is going to tell us. So here, the issue of dealing with the parents comes after worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And for any person would understand that... Yes, needs you to move your... From time. That it doesn't need any explanation how important this issue is. So going back to something that I referred in the beginning, I said that those people who read the Quran and don't understand it, would they benefit from this? They are just reciting a verse, like any other verse. But if they do understand, and they understand the, the relationship between worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the first priority, coming after it, treating your parents kindly, they would understand how significant and how important this is. Because if you just recite it and pass by it, and if you're, every day you are trying to ask yourself, do I have any form of shirk in my heart against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Every day you want to clarify and you purify your worship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the same time, come after that, is am I treating my parents kindly? How? As the verse said, إِمَّا يَبْلُغَنَّ عِنْدَكَ الْكِبَرَ when one of them becomes old, or both of them. فَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفٍ Don't say even uff. An uff is a sign of showing unhappiness, dissatisfaction, just by saying uff. Or you can do anything by your face or by your eye. So showing in gratitude to your parents can be by your tongue when you say off. Just saying off. Just saying, I'm not pleased with that. Just saying, I'm not going to do this. Or you can say it by your eyes when you don't keep yeah, contact between your eyes and the eyes of your parents. Or when you try to look, turn your face Away even from your parents when they talk to you. Another sign of disrespect. Or even by time, when you spend most of your time not with your parents. Let me explain the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. When a man came and asked the Prophet ﷺ, من أحق الناس بصحبتي يا رسول الله? Who is the best who is the most worthy person of having my company with him? See, keeping the company of. He said, Qala Ummuka, your mother, 
قال ثم من هو else who next قال أمك your mother قال ثم من قال أمك three times قال ثم من قال ثم أبوك three times the mother and that's why we are making those brothers are like mothers yeah just temporarily to see some of the process that they are going through so now here من أحق الناس بصحبتي who is worthy of my company of my companionship whom should I spend time with the most is your mother one way of showing gratitude to your parents is by spending some time with them more time than you spend with anyone else after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of course so this is how we show gratitude to our parents so وَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفْرٍ and don't insult them as you remember that uh, many I'm sure that many speakers mentioned something similar to this when a child whatever his age or her age is talks to the parents say that I didn't say off to her I just hit my mother I didn't say off to her see Islam <laughs> prohibits you to do the least thing so how about a child who reaches this level of disobedience uh, talking very badly to his parents or even touching them or even yes ignoring them and we will reach a level here when we see that scholars say that even if you are doing the nawafil, you are doing a salah which is not faridah, and you hear a call from your mother, you can cut your salat and respond to your mother. If it is salat nafl, not an obligatory salat. To this level, if you are the only person to serve your mother and your father, and a call for jihad, came even, which is not obligatory on everyone, which at this moment it can be fard kifaya, not fard ayn, communal obligation, not individual obligation. Your jihad is to make jihad with your parents by serving your parents and not by going to make jihad. To this level of respect and love and importance, Islam teaches us that even in the Nawafil, the non-obligatory fara'id that you can obey your parents in. Rather than doing these nawafils, because they are nawafils, they are not fara'id. And obeying your parents here is considered a farida. So you should do the farida and delay the nafl. That's what the scholars say about the importance of this issue. You went too far. Okay. And not only that, it's not acceptable from us not to say something bad, to our parents, not to ignore their commands, not to even to say any sign, to show them any sign that, yes, shows disrespect to them, but we have to say a good saying to them. So it's not acceptable even from a Muslim to, yes, to show some respect by their faces or by their tongue or by their way they look or by their eyes or by spending money on their parents enough? No, this is not enough. You have to say something positive and something good to your parents. So it takes on you and it eliminates all the negative issues and it takes you, you have to be all the time positive to your parents. Here comes an issue. We are living in a society, for example, I was discussing uh, with some of the people who are some of the friends of my, one of my kids, 
And he said that my father never showed, he never said something positive to me. This is the way he perceives his father. I said, didn't your father make any dua for you? He said, yes, he did. He did many dua for me. Don't you think, I asked him, don't you think this dua is a positive thing or is it a bad thing? The child said something very unique. I didn't pay attention to it. He said, but we were brought up in a culture that we need to be encouraged positively by words from our parents, let alone the issue of dua, because we were not brought up that the issue of dua is something positive. It's very and very and very positive. But you see, we are coming to an issue of two cultures are separate from each other. They are living in one house. One culture that had been brought up in a totally different culture in a public school that almost takes everything from this public school and from the peer group and from other sources that affect us, whereas probably the culture of the father got a lot from the Islamic culture rather than from the culture around him or her, the mother. So now we have in one family two cultures living in one place. And that's why there are two responsibilities here, from the side of the parents. And I advise every parent here to read what, what if they can, especially the courses about philosophy, courses about psychology, yes, courses about history. You need to read the material that your kids read. You need to have something to communicate with your kids with. If you read something different, you will never be able to communicate. At a certain time, it becomes next to impossible to communicate with your kid. I think we have an expert here in technologies. Instead of... So this is one responsibility of the parents. They should see and they should be familiarized or should they they should be aware of whatever parts of the cultural issues that their kids live in. Because if we don't, we will never be able to communicate with them. We should have a common culture in our house. The more the common the culture is between us, the more we will be able to communicate with each other. But if I take from a culture and you take from a different culture, we will come to a dead point where we cannot communicate. At the same time, the kids need to be raised as early as possible to the Islamic culture. He used to teach our kids when they are young, where is Allah? So we, they refer to the sky or to the heaven. So we teach them issues of Tawheed without even understanding from the early days. So they get used to that. And from time to time, we build in the kids that our reference, as we do with our wives, that whenever we are in dispute, whenever we have different viewpoints, our reference is who? Is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if we manage to build this in our hearts, ourselves, and our wives, and then our kids as early as possible, most of these difficulties that we see and the disobedience that we see from our kids will be eliminated day after day. Because we agreed from the beginning that our reference is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when I say something, and you say something, and we want to take reference, we will see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, and what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did. Now let me go back to some issues here. Example of 
Yes. Obeying the parents. Let me give you some examples. And I will ask any one of you, if he or she did something similar to this in his or her life, please raise your hand. Carrying food for the parents. We know that even from previous history before Islam, as the Prophet ﷺ mentioned this hadith, and this is very beneficial to know later on that this is a way of getting protection from hardships in life. You should know now the benefits of obeying your parents. is to protect yourself from hardships and calamities and problems in this life is to obey your parents. And the Prophet ﷺ quoted this event from the history of the previous believers, not the Muslims who lived at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. You know the story of the three people who were in a cave, in a cave and uh, a stone moved and it blocked the entrance of the gate. So they were locked inside the cave. The cave. And they started saying, what should we do? Each one of them, they said, they suggested, they said, okay, let's remember that we did something it was purely for the sake of Allah. And here again comes the importance of the issue of ikhlas. Purity. That when you do something only for the sake of Allah, only for the sake of Allah, not for the sake of anyone else, not for the sake of Allah and your parents at the same time, not for the sake of Allah and your kids, not the sake of Allah and for someone else. Purely do it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you see the result of. Each one of them started to remember, yes, one event in his life, right, that would help them to be saved from the trouble that they were in because they were inside a cave. So two of them mentioned uh, their stories, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the big stone move. And one of them mentioned this story. He said that, yes, his parents, he brought the milk one time. And when he brought the milk, he found his parents who were hungry. Yes, they slept. And he found his kids and his spouse. They asked him to give them the milk. Young kids. He didn't want to give the kids the milk. He preferred to give his parents the milk. Neither his spouse nor his kids. But he said that I will give my parents, the kid, this pot of milk. The parents were sleeping. The kids were crying. But he insisted on this. Because he thought that the parents are more worthy of the love and the respect and this kindness than the parents who are still needy, who are still hungry. And he spent the whole night, not like those ones, by the way, he spent the whole night carrying, yes, the pot of milk, waiting for the moment, waiting for the moment that his parents would wake up and he would give them the milk to drink. He said, Oh Allah, if you know that I did this only for your sake, not for anyone else, if you know that I did it for your sake, move the story. 
and the stone moved. It's a very beautiful story that tells you that when you do something sincerely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will solve the problem for you. But now, the advantage here that we know that every one of us should know that that if you, you can take your parents as a tool, as a way of getting protection from what? From the problems and calamities in this dunya. By what? By obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fulfilling the command of Allah by respecting and dealing with your parents kindly. Uh, so, not eating even before them. Uh, and as we know that in one of the stories that a person carried his mother and some of you probably performed had carried his mother from Muzdalif, from Mina to Mecca and from Mecca to uh, Muzdalifa and from Muzdalifa and from to Arafah and from Arafah to Muzdalifa and this is a prob probably a distance of more than 50 kilometers going back and forth carrying his mother while she was making tawaf and while she was making sa'i, all of it carrying his mother on his back. And then he came to the companion, asked him and told him that, do you think that I fulfilled the duties upon me regarding or towards my parents, towards my mother? He said, this, what you did, even does not equal one moment of the labor, the moment of labor, the moment of delivering you to this dunya. Because it's, it's the delivery issue, the moments of delivery. A mother goes through very tough experiences and very painful experiences that even carrying your mother for 50 miles does not equal one moment of the moments of the labor or the moments of delivering. Now, what are the benefits of obeying our parents? One of them, and the most important of them, is pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you're obeying your parents. Why? To please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not really to just to please your parents, but the most importantly, to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because sometimes you say the shaitan would come to you, your parents are not Muslims. Or your parents are disobedient Muslims. Even though, even though you have to obey them, to obey them as long as their commands to you are not in contradiction with the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the condition. So pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, protection from calamities as I mentioned now, the example, extended life. The Prophet ﷺ said in one hadith, I quoted it and I got the exact words of the hadith. Qala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and this is in al-Bukhari, من أحب أن ينسأ له في أثره ويبارك ويبارك له في رزقه فليصل رحمه Whoever loves that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prolongs his life span and increase his provision and risk in this dunya sustenance he or she should be kind to his parents and to his relatives so if you want to live a long life, inshallah, one of the ways to achieve this, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is to obey your parents. This is one thing. And if you want to have more sustenance in this life, more rizq in this life, is by obeying your parents and 
treating them kindly. Again, here is a very important cultural issue because we live in a culture that tells us there is nothing, there is no relationship, apparently, if you live in a materialistic life. There is no relationship between getting more risk and dealing with parents kindly. Is there? Is there? Materialistically, there is no relationship. Work more, right? Get more money. But it's not by obeying your parents. So now we are talking about two different cultures. Unless the iman is fully resting in your heart and your mind, you will never be able to do this. Because apparently it seems that there is no relationship between the two. The relationship here for a Muslim, he knows that when you do this, your parents will ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give you more sustenance. Right? This is the relationship that's here in the mind of the Muslims. But it is not there in the minds of those who are raised in non-Islamic culture. Again, uh, these are some of them in this dunya, but there are some others in later life. Getting your sins forgiven. One way of getting your sins to be erased and forgiven is by obeying the parents. All of us are sinful. And one way of eliminating these sins is by obeying the parents. Another, another benefit in later life is by obeying the parents, we have access to paradise. I want everybody to stress this issue that we cannot access paradise without the obedience of our parents. As long as, yes, it is obedience to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is very important, as we know from the story that the Prophet ﷺ, there was one companion who was about to die, and they, the companions asked him to say, La ilaha illallah. And every time they asked him to say, La ilaha illallah, he could not utter it. And then the Prophet ﷺ was, was shocked to see that. And remember that it's not because you say it simply in this life. No, there are other factors that, that need to be considered. One of them is obeying your parents. So the Prophet ﷺ asked, is one of his parents alive? They said his mother is alive. They called his mother. And then the Prophet ﷺ asked her what he was doing in life. She told him some of his stories. And one of them is that he used to prefer his wife than his mother. He used to obey or prefer his wife than to listen to his mother, the one who was in much need of him. The Prophet ﷺ understood the reason and then the mother didn't want to forgive him. And it was, yeah, that's why this was one of the reasons why he didn't make the shahada. So the Prophet ﷺ tried to elicit the mercy from the heart of the mother and he said that, would you be pleased if we get some stone and some wood and burn your child? And she was so scared. She said, no, now I forgive him. And when she said that, the, her son said, la ilaha illallah, and said the shahada before he died. Brothers and sisters, this is, this is how important to believe in the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And to believe what the Prophet ﷺ said is nothing but the truth. 
And this is a story that in which we saw that a person who was treating his parent, his his mother, yes, with this attitude, negative and bad attitude in this life, he wasn't able to say the shahada. And we know that if a person dies without saying the shahada, without dying as a Muslim, he will be in hellfire. So this is another advantage of obeying our parents. Did you feel tired? Not yet? Okay. How about if you stay a whole day like that? Would it be easy? A whole day? How about a week? No? Not a week. Okay. How about your mother carrying you a whole month like that? What do you think? Is it an easy job? Shouldn't you deal with her kindly? Did you decide that from now on you are going to do this? I'm not saying that, that you didn't do this. But did you decide that you're going to do this? Yes. Zakallah. Now you can sit down. Not him, we are we're keeping him until he he confesses. <laughs> what do you think, brother? Is it an easy job? It's not. From the moment sit down, Zakallahu Khair. I, th- I think, wallahi, if each one of us, yeah, if each one of us would do this at home for some hours, we would definitely love our mothers more and more and more and more. Just try to imagine now, he sat down, he felt comfortable after putting it aside. How heavy was it? It was not heavy, but it was tough issue, right? Try to imagine that you are carrying three kilos in your, yes, woman, in your stomach. And you cannot move without it. You can't move without it. Everywhere you go, going to the kitchen, going to the bathroom, wants to sleep, you cannot. It's not an easy job. Carrying it everywhere you do. This is how we should teach ourselves how to, to see our parents, alhamdulillah, are doing this job for us. And this is what you can see. And hamluhu, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, hamalathu ummuhu wahnan ala wahn. His mother carried him weakness after weakness. The first hour is easy. The second hour became huh, difficult. The third hour, the fourth hour, the fourth day, the fifth month, it becomes like hell. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described, حَمَلَتْهُ أُمُّهُ وَهْنًا عَلَى وَهْنًا In other verse, حَمَلَتْهُ أُمُّهُ كُرْحًا She didn't want that because it's very troublesome for her. But she has to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Try to imagine these moments for two years. First, nine month pregnancy and after that the period or even more than sometimes, more than two years as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, sometimes it's 30 months the pregnancy period and the weaning period. She feeds you whenever you want, not whenever she wants. She cleans you whenever you want, not when she wants. More than five stars service 24 hours a day for complete two years. You don't find this service anywhere in the world, even if you are the richest person in the world. For each of us enjoyed this service. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in many verses in the Qur'an, in different contexts, but we can use it. هَلْ جَزَاءُ الْإِحْسَانِ إِلَّا الْإِحْسَانِ 
isn't the reward of doing something good to you. You should do the same thing. You should deal with your parents or anyone who did good to you to deal with them in a good manner. This is something that shows us we should teach our kids. We should never stop teaching our kids these issues as early as possible and try them. You know that one way of punishing people in, in the West is to give them time out. You know the time out? They put the person in a corner and they ask him to sit down, just to sit down for three minutes according to his age or five minutes just to keep him staying in this, to prevent him from having this freedom of moving. And instead of this, we can, we can give him some exercise like that. We can ask him to carry something. So when the kid grows, he would imagine how difficult it was for his mother to raise him up. Try to remember these moments when you used to cry for approximately half an hour because just for a trivial reason, because you wanted a sandwich from your mother that should be triangle from form, but she gave it to you in huh, another form, huh? not triangle. You cry and cry and cry and cry and cry until your mother huh, pleases you. For no reason and how patient she was. Remember these moments because they are very essential. And one important thing, if you do this with your parents and your kids see you doing this to your parents, they will definitely imitate you. It's not just a matter of saying these issues by your tongue. As we still said, yes, sometimes. The magnitude of kindness to parents as the scholars say that it has more priority even than jihad, which is on the top of Islam. If it is, as I mentioned, non-obligatory. It has more priority than your spouse, than your wife. It has more priority than performing even hajj, if it is not the obligatory hajj. It has more priority than your kids. It has more priority than any non-obligatory ibadat. And here, as answering the question of how can we buy, be kind to our parents by our tongue, by saying something good, by our eye when we give them this look of mercy to them and pity, by our bodies, by using our bodies to serve and help our parents, by our money when we spend the money to, to please uh, our parents, by our ear when we listen to the commands of our parents and obey them, by our time by spending some time with our parents, by our face by showing a smile and a sigh and a look of comfort on our face, by everything that we have, we can show gratitude and kindness to our parents. And I think uh, the Western society had written lots of details about these issues and they are very, very good. Uh, Yesterday morning, Brother uh, Muhammad Sharif was talking to me about uh, a book five, it's called Five Love Languages. Five Love Languages. It talks about different languages of love uh, that you can show love to others, whether they, you're showing love to your spouse or to your kids or to your neighbors or to anyone else. But showing love to others is something important and essential. Uh, I will keep... Uh, some of these issues probably they would come in the question and answer. Uh, and now I will leave the floor for questions and answers. You select. Go ahead.
as your own parents. So they wouldn't come on the same level. But you should show, of course, love because they are close to you. And if you develop this kindness to your parents, you will develop it with anyone who is close to them or on, on their status or close to that. But of course, your parents should be given much, much, much more. Here the ayah says, وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا Your parents are not the parents of your spouses. It doesn't negate that, of course. But they shouldn't take the same kindness as you should uh, give to your own parents. Uh, the next one is, um, if your parents are not happy with your marriage, should, how do you respect them in this matter? How much respect can you give them if they um, aren't happy with your marriage? If the marriage itself is disobedience to Allah, but if it is not, this is something different. And I hope you ask this question to Sheikh Salim Al-Amri. He is good at that. Um, if, your if one of your parents has abused you in childhood um, and still talks to you unkindly, can you still respect them? This is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded you. Yes. This is where you, you make the jihad issue to deal with them respectfully, even if they abused you, even if they did that, if they were not kind to you, this is where you get the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There, there is nothing for free. And the access to paradise is not easy. This is where you need. And even when they talk about Salat al-Rahim, it's when you initiate visiting the relatives who cut off the relationship with you. Don't say that they are not visiting me. If you want to get the reward of Salat al-Rahim, is that you initiate the visiting to them. Don't say that they are not visiting me, so I'm not going to visit them. Now you are not making Salat al-Rahim. Salat al-Rahim, when, when they cut it off, you connect it by visiting them and by dealing with them treatly. You know, it's difficult for your heart. However, as we said, that this is a type of jihad. This is a type of striving. This is a type of to show Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you love Him more than you love your emotions. More than you love your whims and caprice and desire. You love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more. That's why I said that. When we implant this meaning as early as possible in ourselves and in our kids, they know that. They are doing it only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you obey your parents, when a wife obeys her husband, she is not really obeying them. She is doing this for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the obedience is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this shows much love to Allah. And this of course will trigger, trigger the love of Allah towards you. Yes. There's another one here which I is... I hope you make yeah, it another question from the brothers and the sisters. Yes. There's another one here which says... That sisters can send their questions. Yes. Um, what rights do the children have over their parents? And in order to get a balanced Islamic family. Okay. Yeah, okay, good. Very good. The rights of the kids. There are many rights of the kids. One of them first. Before you are even born, one of your rights is to select a good mother. Try to imagine that Islam gave you, give the child this right. The right of the child is... One of the rights is for on his father is to select a good mother, a good wife. 
Now, this is very important for the, how many of you are not married? Raise your hands. It seems, it seems that all of them sit here. I don't know why. I'm telling you this because it's your duty now, yes, to start the selection process. It's your duty because your kid, when he learns his rights, he will be telling you, my father, you didn't fulfill the rights. I will obey you in this dunya. But on the day of judgment, you are in trouble. I will definitely obey you in this dunya. But you have to defend yourself on the day of judgment because you did not select the good mother for me. So this is one of the... Yes, you have to pay attention to this. Another right is to select a good name for the child. Don't, kill, don't give a name like nowadays, Monica to your daughter, because you know Monica, right? Don't you know Monica? Don't you know Monica and Clinton? Bill Clinton? Don't you read history? So it's, it's, it's very important, yes, to select a good name for your child, a boy or a girl. So this is another right. A third right, of course, for your child is to be breastfed. This is the right of your child on you. So sister should know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave her this physical mold or form to achieve something in dunya. He gave her this, yes, these parts of her body to use them in obedience of Allah. So this is one of the rights of the child to be breastfed. Yeah. Another right. Uh, third right, of course, to be sponsored by, to, uh, by the parents to educate them. And when I say to educate them, not according to the most of us think that to get them into Harvard or Yale or Oxford or no. The right of your kid on you is to give him the right education from the beginning. And all of us remember the first verse in Islam that was revealed to Muhammad. It started with what? Iqra what? Don't, don't just say Iqra only. Iqra who? Bismi Rabbika. In the name of Allah. In other words, you should teach him the first thing. Teach him about Allah and about Islam before you teach him math and geography and medicine and other things. You should all the time keep this balance. What you teach your kids about Islam and about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should outweigh what you give him about other null types of knowledge. If you want your kids to obey you, so you have to fulfill your role as early as possible. There are many other rights, of course. Uh, but I... I I want to change the form of the question uh, because the, the, the person who asked the question said this as if it is a condition that in order to have a balanced, a balanced family. No, this is not a right word to say. Even if you had been drive, deprived by your parents from some of these rights, even though you are commanded by Allah to obey them and treat them kindly. You have to understand. They are not your peers. They are not equal to you. They come in these verses exactly after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you have to understand this priority. They are not equal to you. Don't look at them that they, they did this to you, so you have to do this to them. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. 
as I said, it's very important to eliminate, to understand first their culture, to read something about their culture, their own culture. This is, I think, probably you can add it to uh, new rights of the people who are raised in, in, in non-Islamic cultures. It's the duty of the parents to read about the culture that their kids live in in order to be able to communicate with them. Yes, uh, one here says um, that how do you address your parents? Um, in Arabic, if, like if you say ka or kum, so in English, how do you say it? Because you just say you anyway, but um, it's, I think it's good not to say you anyway. Why don't you say, we all the time uh, hear and see, oh honey, oh honey, right? You know that, huh? Why shouldn't we address our parents all the time, oh my beloved father, oh my beloved father, oh my beloved mother? Why shouldn't we do this? Wouldn't this distinguish us from other people on the earth? Do you think it's difficult? Is it difficult? If it is difficult, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Nobody dares. How many of you does this at home? Say, my, oh my beloved father, oh my beloved mother. Raise your hand. How many of you? Two. You just contradiction with three. Contradiction between you just said, you've just said a couple of seconds ago. Yeah, you said it, it's easy, but you are not doing it. Three people are doing it. Say, oh my beloved mother. How many of you kisses the head of his mother or father every day? Every day, no exception. Raise your hand. Raise your hand, please. Raise your hand. It's something that you should be proud of. MashaAllah. Few. How many of you are ready to do that now on? Raise your hand. So you are not ready? Alhamdulillah. You are not ready? Sorry. You can make dua for them every day. Okay. So can't, can't we distinguish ourselves on the earth, Muslims, when we say every time, Oh my beloved father, even if you are abused, and this is the same thing that Ibrahim yes, said to his father. He used to worship the idols. Ya abati, ya abati. Look at Ismail salam. His father was about to slaughter him. And before that he used to say, Ya abati, oh my beloved father. So in Arabic when we say, Ya abi, oh my father. When you put this ta in the middle of the word, it becomes, Ya abati, it means, oh my beloved father. So Ismail is telling his father, huh, who was about to slaughter him, Ya Abati, oh my beloved father, do whatever you are commanded by Allah to do. I will obey. How many of us are willing to tell their parents that? How many of us are willing to? This is a duty on us. Are you willing? Raise your hand. All of you, raise if you are willing. So the others are unwilling. Oh, very sad story. Sheikh, come here and see how, how many they are. Just come, come, come. Yes, I want you to come. Come here and see the picture, how many. They are not willing even. Who among you are willing to say this to their parents? Oh, my beloved parents, raise your hand. And the number increased. I think the Sheikh, when he comes, yes, they will increase more. Brothers and sisters, Wallahi, the whole world will respect us. If every Muslim addresses his father, and mother, oh my beloved father. Especially if there is a time that he or she is abusing you. Say, even though, oh you are my beloved father. 
And if you do this with your parents, it becomes easier and easier on your kids, inshallah. Did I answer the question yes, or I deviate from this the question? Only a few minutes left. Okay. Uh, there's one here about um, how you deal with a teenage uh, son who doesn't listen to his parents and abuses them, and, but just um, likes to have food and clothing and a home from them. Is, is he raised by you or by the government? Uh, I still remember uh, my two supervisors, they were not Muslims, they were supervising my dissertation while I was studying my PhD. And uh, they visited me. I used to invite them to my house. They, as soon as they entered my house, they said that this is uh, the most unique house that we have ever seen from the beginning. I said, and then they started making comments, what things that they see different. Even the walls didn't have pictures, alhamdulillah. No. So they said that your kids are unique. I said, do you know why? I said, because they are Muslims. They said, no, because they are not in public schools. Yeah. This was their own comments. They were Christians, but they said that. They, they said that if you get your kids in a public school, they are no longer your kids. They are no longer your kids. In back home, they say that they are the kids of Uncle Sam. They are no longer your kids. He feeds them, he nourishes them, he teaches them he, every day. Yeah. So there's something that you cannot compete with. So you have to make the selection. And don't bite on your fingers after that. Don't reach this level of questions that the main concern of my kid was so and so and so. Because your kids didn't see you paying charity, they didn't come with you to these conferences, they didn't see you obeying your parents, and that's why they are doing this. However, I'd like to make it, to make it a little bit easier. on you. The more Islamic background as early as possible you feed your kids with, it becomes easier for them to restore this level. Because at the time of teenage, then lots of, of elements are occurring, are happening to your kids. So be patient with them. Uh, give them their rights. And we expect, of course, more patience and more perseverance and more kindness from you at these moments because they are difficult years that they go through them until, inshallah, they pass that. But you should be a model for them. And all the time when you connect them with the Prophet ﷺ, tell them that he is the model for us. And they will always match you. Oh, my father, oh, my beloved father, you are not doing what as the Prophet ﷺ were doing. So they will teach you indirectly that to be, to be taking the Prophet as your model. And if you take the Prophet as your model ﷺ, they will be taking the Prophet ﷺ as the model. Teaching, teaching by taking models or becoming models is very important. And the best model that we have is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Sheikh And for that uh, comprehensive and wonderful talk about parenthood and the importance of obeying one's parents. Uh, thank you all of you. Inshallah, we'll try to answer some of the questions in the last session. Uh, I have a couple other sessions about marriage, and this, I think, belongs to this section only. Please don't care. You classified yourselves, do you? So you belong to this group. So we might touch 
something that is relevant to this. Jazakumullahu khairan. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to benefit us all. And if I said something wrong, it is from me and from the evil in myself. And if, it, if I said something good, it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his support to me. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.